Okay, Chuck Wilson, New Hope Community Church. Uh, in case you can't be here on Sunday, I'm going to put this online. But I encourage you to come on Sunday if you can. I've heard I'm much more, much funnier on Sunday and, and even better looking in real life. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But, uh, but it is something, it is even better in, in real life because we have the worship and the fellowship and people there. And, and, uh, so anyway, if you can make it, great. If not, this is great that you're able to watch here. And the title for today is The Consequences of Ignoring God's Warnings. 2 Kings 7, 1-2, and then 17-20. to 20, The consequence, or I'll say ignore God at your own risk. Ignore His Word at your own risk. Now, we're going to start off with a little Thanksgiving. I hope you all had a nice Thanksgiving. Very different this year, I'm sure. Imagine, though, on Thanksgiving that you are locked in your house. And you couldn't even get a turkey. I know this sounds crazy, but just try to imagine this, okay? And and you see the and you see the governor is at your door, outside the door. You look out, and there's governor wherever you're from. We have Governor Wolf. He's outside your door, and he's out there watching to see if you're going to try to come out. He's just standing outside the door, peeking in the window, looking right at the doorway, trying to make sure that you're not not doing anything you shouldn't do yet. You're complying with all of his regulations, uh, which most of these guys don't follow, but they, but we expect us to follow them. Then it happens. You hear a turkey outside. You hear the no, the sound of a turkey. Now, turkeys do not say gobble, gobble. I don't know who came up with that. I'm from the farm. I know exactly what the sound like. Uh, I could do all the farm animals. And if you ever hear, oh, oh, then you know that's a turkey. All right, that's a turkey, not gobble, gobble. Uh, so, uh, what if you hear that, oh, what will you do? Thanksgiving, no turkey, dying to have a bird. There's the governor, bash, and push the door open, run over him, get your turkey, run back inside. Uh, you, you, that's what you'd probably do, right? Actually, that's not that hard to imagine, is it? Uh, we might really want to do that if they were to stop us from getting our turkey. And something actually just like this happens in the life of Elisha. Wait till you see what happens. Uh, all these governors better beware after you see what happens here in Elisha. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, just thank you for Thanksgiving and thank you for your word. And we pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would speak through your word and anything that we need to pay attention in your word, any conviction that we need to respond to, or if anybody here who's listening has never put their faith in you, they're waiting, waiting, I pray that this would be the day of salvation for them. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to pick it up with verse uh, chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. We already did this, but I want to review it <clears throat> because it sets up what we're going to be talking about today. Verse 1, <coughs> excuse me, uh, Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says about this time tomorrow. A sea of flour will sell for a shekel and two sea of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. The officer on whose arm the king was leaning said to the man of God, Look, even if the Lord should open the floodgates of heaven, could this happen? You will see it with your own eyes, answered Elisha, but you will not eat any of it. Woo! Now remember, this was the beginning of the chapter. God had promised through Elisha a miraculous deliverance. Okay, He promised a miraculous deliverance, but the official scoffs. He mocks God, actually, is what he does. So Elisha gives another prophecy 
This time, the prophecy of judgment for this official. We, and then we see the rest of the chapter. We've already gone through that. We saw God's amazing grace, shocking grace, that, that God delivered them. We see the lepers have this good news. We see that the people are saved miraculously. And now we see the warning at the end of the chapter. We see the warning if we reject God's mercy. All these good things happen, but at the very end, there's an exclamation point. If we ignore God's mercy and grace, there's a warning for each one of us. Verse 17, I'm going to read it to you, and I'm going to call this, Ignore God's Word at Your Own Risk. Listen to what happens here. Now the king had put the officer on whose arm he leaned in charge of the gate. This is right after the army's gone, the enemy army's gone, and they, the four lepers say there's all this food, and the people are going to run out and get the food, and this is what happens. He, the, the king put the officer on whose army leaned in charge of the gate. He was supposed to keep the people in a, regulated, and you can go out a few, five at a time, or whatever they had, whatever rules they had set up, right? You can go out five at a time. Are you wearing a mask? <laughs> I don't, I, I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. Anyway, uh, and, and, uh, in charge of the gate, and the people trampled him in the gateway, and he died, just as the man of God had foretold when the king came down to his house. It happened as the man of God had said to the king, About this time tomorrow a sea of flour will sell for a shekel, and two sea of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. The officer had said to the man of God, Look, even if the Lord should open the floodgates of heaven, could this happen? The man of God had replied, You will see it with your own eyes, but you will not eat any of it. And that is exactly what happened to him, for the people trampled him in the gateway, and he died. Ignore God at your own risk. Ignore God at your own risk. God's word was fulfilled completely here. Both the positive and the negative, both the deliverance and the judgment, completely fulfilled. And so many pastors, and I call them unfaithful shepherds today in the USA, so many only preach the positive, but not the negative. But both are vital. The warning about God's law and God's holiness and God's judgment. And if we ignore God's word, the law, the justice, the holiness, if we ignore God's word of warning, there will be hell to pay. Both hell on earth, we're going to live hell on earth here, and there will be eternity in hell also. And that is in God's word. But only after understanding that, only after coming to, coming to grips with our sin and God's holiness and God's judgment, then and only then can we understand and receive God's love, God's mercy, and God's grace. But so many Christians in the U.S. are, are deceived because all they hear their unfaithful shepherds preaching is God's love. And so they all, and who wouldn't respond to God's love? I'll take that free ticket. I'll take, I'll take love. I'll take that, that Santa Claus God, that build a, build a God, build a bear, build a God. I'll take him. And, and so many in the U.S. are deceived because they've, they've, re, they've taken that fake Jesus. They've taken half a Jesus. They've taken half a God. And they, and, and they think they're a Christian for believing in, in a half of a gospel. They think they're a Christian when they're not. And we know they're not because the fruit is the proof. The fruit is the proof of real faith, true faith. So many have been inoculated to the gospel. They've never repented of their sin. They've never realized their, their, their sin and God's holiness and judgment. They've never understood that. All they've done is put their faith, intellectual, put their faith in, in, in Jesus. 
And you need proof that what I'm saying is true. 50% of Americans think they're born again. 50%. And yet only 6% of Americans have a biblical world view. And when I say biblical worldview, I'm talking about the basics, you know, the, the deity of Jesus Christ, the, you know, the virgin birth, the, you know, the, the resurrection, basic, basic things. Only 6% of Americans have a biblical world view. I'd say only 6% are probably born again, truly born again, because the fruit is the proof of faith. And that's because so many unfaithful pastors have not preached the full gospel. They have preached half of the gospel. And, 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 and we see here that God's word is fulfilled, both the negative and the positive. The positive and the negative are fulfilled. The steward had mocked Elisha. But who is he really mocking? God. He's mocking Jehovah God is who he's mocking. But God cannot be mocked. Look at Galatians 6. Uh, God cannot be mocked. The man reaps what he sows. And look what happens to him. He reaps what he sowed. Look what happens to him. He gets stampeded. Have you ever been in a stampede? Have you? Probably most of us who are listening to this, the closest you ever got to a stampede was watching a Western on TV, all right? Uh, they're, they're, it's pretty scary. In fact, Thanksgiving, there actually may have been turkey stampedes. Did you know that? Turkey stampedes? Yes, that's right. Uh, interesting fact about turkeys. There were actually, just as in the West they had cattle drives, there was actually turkey drives in the East. As many 10,000 turkeys were herded in the east. They were taken from Vermont down to Boston, 250 miles south. And it started in, uh, in uh, let's see, when did it start? Uh, 18, 1824. 1824 they started, went for 70 years. Most of you, nobody remembers it, obviously, but most of you never even heard of it. There were turkey drives. They would take them from Vermont, and as they went down, they would pick up more turkey farmers and more birds, and they would take as many as 10,000 birds down to Boston, sell them for a dollar apiece. Why didn't they use the railroads? Well, there were no railroads initially, but even after the railroads were done, it was too expensive to take them that way because they only get a dollar a bird. So they would. this went on until the turn of the century. Can you believe that? And and it was crazy. Uh, at night, they would halt, you know, just they had the truck wagon where they throw throw the corn to the birds and to the turkeys and at night all the turkeys would fly up to the highest branches they could find because there would be owls and and hawks and fox and there were even turkey rustlers <laughs> there's this whole lore just like the western lore the cattle rustlers there were actually turkey rustlers guys would come in and try to cut out some of the turkeys and take them and eat them Crazy, crazy stuff, right? Uh, this this went on for for seven years. Like I said, it was crazy what happened. So very likely there could have even been stampedes, turkey stampedes. We don't know for sure about turkey stampedes, but we know there were a lot of cattle stampedes. If you ever watched the Western, you know what, what was going on. Uh, the, we, you think what? How could they do this with these turkeys? Well, we have bred turkeys to be big and plump and dumb. That's what we bred them to. But originally, turkeys were very tough. The wild turkeys and even the turkeys they were farming at this time were very, very tough. The wild ones are still smart and tricky. Uh, very, very tricky birds. Ben Franklin actually wanted to make the turkey the national bird. He didn't like the eagle. He wanted the turkey. I'm, I'm telling you, the wild turkey, very impressive. Uh, so don't, you can't think of these big, fat, you know, plump turkey, dumb turkeys now. Uh, that That's what we bred them like. The originals were actually herded like cattle. Now, I have... Uh, 
Western stampedes and the the the, the cattle stampedes that you watch on TV, <clears throat> very wild. But I've actually experienced stampedes. Yes, that's right. On the farm, we experienced stampedes. I remember sometimes the lightning would come down and hit. One time, it hit one of our cows, uh, killed it out there, and we found it the next day. But it would hit, and the cattle would just cows would just go crazy. They would just run, and I just remember being so scared. They would oftentimes run through the fence, electric fence. They would, you just couldn't reason. They would run up into the barn and just pile into the the outside barn there. Crazy, mad, tell a mad cow, crazy cows, right? It, they would just go crazy. But the worst one I'll never forget is my dad woke us all up in the middle of the night one time. He said, the cows are out. They ran through the fence. They're in the corn. They're in the corn field. <clears throat> and I remember we all went out there and we, the cows, we were out. In the, and I just still remember the terror of this. Walking through the corn, I had a, a big stick or a bat. Maybe I grabbed a baseball bat. I just remember it was a big stick. And I had a flashlight and I was shining it. And you could hear the cows running through the corn. It would be a great horror movie. I know why they use corn for horror movies. Let me tell you, I know why. Because it's scary to be in the cornfield with, with all this going on. And and I'll the we're I'm walking through and and I'll never forget. I hear the crashing and I hear this cow coming right at me and I start yelling and swinging the stick and flashing the light, screaming and it's coming through. They can't see it because you know cornfields. You ever been in a cornfield? You can see through you know a little bit there. And all of a sudden the cow just before it runs me over, hits the brakes, comes skidding up. I'll never forget. Comes skidding up through the corn, her nose to nose, face to face with I'm face to face with this mad cow. I don't know who is more scared. The cow or me. I've got the flashlight. Yeah, yeah, I hit him in the nose. Yeah. And he turned tail and bolted out of there. I love crashing through the car. I did the same thing. I was out of there. I'm like, I'm done with this. You know, you know I'm not catching any more of these cows. And so this, this stampede this, you gotta think of a human stampede now here. The stampede that this, this official experienced was because he was disobedient, because he ignored God's word, because he mocked God. This is a prophetic warning for all of us. Ignore God's word at your own risk. I'm going to say it again. Ignore God's word at your own risk. We are seeing the effect of this vividly illustrated in the USA today, aren't we? It's like watching a horror movie. We're, we're all in a big cornfield, right? We, we are in a, living out a horror movie. We have rejected Jesus Christ. We have ignored His Word. And now we're even openly mocking Jesus Christ and mocking His Father, God. We... We may have crossed the line of grace. I hope not. I'm praying we haven't. But we may have crossed the line of grace and God may have taken away his hand of mercy and grace. We don't know. I'm watching closely, praying, watching closely what's going on in our country. But we see the... I've shared this recently a couple of times. I'm going to do it again. Jeremiah. We see Jeremiah warning about this very thing happening, ignoring God at our own risk and what will happen. Jeremiah 18:7-10, where it says, If at any time that announced our nation or kingdom is to be uprooted torn down and destroyed, and that nation I warn repents of its evil, then I will relent and not inflict on it the disaster I had planned. I'm hoping this happens in the USA today. But, verse 9, And if at another time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be built up and planted, and if it does evil in my sight and does not obey me, then I will consider the good I intended to do for it. That is where we are. That is where we are. I hope we're in 9 and 10. I hope we respond with verse 7 there. Uh, but but in next chapter up, he tells exactly what they had done. And this says everything to the USA Today, verse three, nineteen, verse 3, Jeremiah. And say, Hear the word of the Lord, O kings of Judah and people of Jerusalem. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Listen. 
I'm going to bring a disaster on this place that will make the ears of everyone who hears of it tingle. For they have forsaken me and made this place a place of foreign gods. They have burned sacrifices to its gods that neither they nor their fathers nor the kings of Judah had ever known. And they have filled this place with the blood of the innocent. They have built the high places of Baal to burn their sons in the fire as offerings to Baal, something I did not command or mention, nor did it enter my mind. So beware, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when the people will no longer call this place Topeth or the Valley of Ben-Hinnon, but the Valley of Slaughter. And we see what they did, the, the turning to idolatry, turning to child sacrifice. And boy, are we seeing that fulfilled in the USA today. Even, even the so-called Christians falling to this incredible lie. I just was following the story down in Georgia, the Senate runoff, and, and there's the one guy running for, as a Democratic Senate candidate is a pastor. I'm like, oh, that's hopeful, right? I started reading about him. Woo! No, no, no. Mega pastor uh, and Democratic Senate candidate says abortion is consistent with Christianity. And it goes on, he's the pastor of, of Ebenezer Baptist Church where Martin Luther King Jr. was, a godly man who who, who was a hundred percent against abortion, who got it, you know, who, who, who brought, who actually brought healing and, and racial unity and racial healing. He did it the you know, God's way. This, this guy, this fake fraud false teacher, you know what he had the nerve to say? He was preaching in his pulpit about abortion and he said abortion is reproductive justice. Oh yeah, you you heard that right. A Christian calling killing of babies reproductive justice. Have I told you all along that social justice is a lie? It's a complete counterfeit, a demonic lie. Social justice is based on a demonic lie. This is not biblical. Biblical justice. Biblical justice is radically opposed to social justice. Biblical justice, you never separate righteousness from the justice. They're together. Yeah, we want justice, but there has to be righteousness and justice together. That is biblical justice. Talked about that many times. Amos 5, 23 and 24. But let righteousness uh, flow like a river, justice like a never-failing stream. Righteousness and justice cannot be separated. If you're claiming to be just and you're killing babies, that is a demonic lie. A demonic lie. Unbelievable. And that's why we're being judged. Ignore God's word at your own risk. The same goes for, for those who have never put their faith in Jesus. You may be, uh, it goes for individuals. You, you may be listening to this and you have never put your faith in Jesus Christ, never given your life to Him. And I'm not talking about believing, I'm talking about faith in your heart to Jesus Christ, being born again, giving your life to Him. We're going to talk about that at the end with, in our prayer time. But God is offering us salvation right now. He's calling us to put our faith in Jesus Christ right now. But if we ignore God's call, if we ignore God's call, there will be hell to pay. There will be hell to pay. Hebrews 2, 3 says, How shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? How shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? We won't. We won't. In fact, in Second. Uh, uh, Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians six one to two, it says this. Paul says, as God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. 
As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. He's quoting Old Testament here. In the time of my favor, I heard you. In the day of salvation, I helped you. And then Paul says, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. It's right now. Now is the day of salvation. We we have to respond to that salvation. It, listen, don't wait. If 2020 has taught us anything, it's that our next breath could be our last. It's reminded us of anything. We, we should have already known that. It is a reminded, driven home the lesson that our next breath, our next heartbeat could be our last. Our last. We ignore God's word at our own risk. And the same thing goes for Christians. Even as Christians, we can ignore God's word and God's warning. We won't be judged like the world. We don't have to worry about hell, but we will be disciplined. We, we don't have to worry about judgment here, but we will be disciplined and it will be very, very painful. Hebrews 12, 7 says, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons for what son is not disciplined by his father. God Endure hardship as discipline. God disciplines His children. If you are a child of God and you are getting off track or ignoring His Word in some way, you will be disciplined. And you're not judged. No, not a lot of people get that confused. No, no, no we're not judged, but it will feel a lot like judgment. <laughs> it will be painful, but the different goal, the goal is to bring us back into fellowship, back into line with God's Word, back, in, back into the blessings of a relationship that we have in Jesus Christ. That's the point of it. And if we, and if we don't, if we ignore God's word, if we ignore his word at our own risk, we're going to miss out on all of that. We're going to miss out on so much. We're going to miss out on so many blessings, the spiritual growth, the joy, the peace, the power, the purpose. Just the opposite will be true. We're going to be miserable, miserable. The most miserable people I know are the people who are Christians that have fallen away from God, that are now ignoring God's word and his warning, that have grieved the Holy Spirit. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of the redemption. When we do, we disobey God or we ignore God, we grieve him. And when the Holy Spirit is grieved in us, then we're going to be grieved. We're going to be miserable. I've seen so, 35 years of ministry, I have seen, seen it all. I have warned more people than you can imagine. And many, many have turned back to God and back to His Word and found mercy and grace and found their healing. But there are some I can think of right now that, oh, they were on fire for God. They were close to God. They were in fellowship. And yet, <clears throat> they started slipping away and I warned them and I admonished them. I said, you're going to lose everything. I can think of them. You're going to lose everything. You're going to lose your family. You're going to lose your business. You're going to lose <coughs> your spiritual blessings. You're going to lose your life. You're going to lose your life, and some of them have. It, it, it's, it's just so sad to see. You see, we ignore God's Word at our own risk. God's Word gives us the key to life. It gives us direction, and it also gives us warning. And we ignore those warnings. We ignore the direction. We ignore those warnings at our own risk. It reminds me of the old cars when they had the red oil light. Now I know you have this. You know, the computer readout, it says, yeah, you need to change your oil or whatever. They warn you away ahead of time. But, but in the old days, there was an oil light. And you were supposed to always be checking your oil and changing your oil. And uh, 
But if there was a red light, and if that red light came on, I remember they were taught this in driver's ed, if that light goes on, shut the car off immediately, immediately, and you might have a chance. But <clears throat> shut it off immediately. Stop the car now, right away. And one time, <clears throat> I was out driving, and I had my Vol famous Volkswagen, my yellow Super Beetle. And I've actually told this story before. Some of you may have heard this, some not. But I had this this uh, Super Beetle, and not just the, any old VW. It was a Super Beetle, a yellow one. And, and, and I remember I was driving it, and I wasn't very careful with my car or didn't take very good care of it. And, and I remember the oil light went on, and I was at the top of a hill, a real top of a hill, and it was coming down, uh, down a hill. And I was at the top of the hill, and I was about seven miles from my house. And I remember being at the top of this hill, seven miles from the house, and, and the red oil light went on. I'm like, I gotta get home quick. <laughs> so what did I do? Started down the hill, hit the gas, and went flying down. And as I'm coming down, there was a bridge. I came up to this bridge. I came flying down to this bridge. And, and I, I remember, I remember like, I gotta get down over this bridge fast. I gotta get going. And I was like, not gonna stop for anything. Cause there's not many cars around there. And you could even go through a lot of stop signs. <coughs> uh, but not that I ever did. And you, you could like kind of zip through everything. And I remember flying down and it's a one lane bridge and there was a car already on it, but I was going so fast I couldn't slow down one lane bridge. And I made Super Beetle and this other car was small. I remember it was a small, it was like a Datsun kind of a car. It was small. And I remember I'm flying down and I'm like, <gasps> And I'll never forget the look. This person is halfway across the bridge. And I'll never, I just remember their eyes just going. I could see the eyes. Don't fire till you see the white of their eyes. I saw white of the eyes. You know, boing, you know. And I, I'm like, I couldn't do anything about it. I was just flying. I'm like, I just squeezed over. They squeezed over. Somehow we got past each other. One lane bridge, two little cars. I don't know what happened. It was a miracle. God didn't want to take me home yet. Uh, but we, we squeezed by each other and I waved as I went by and, and I get down and there was a stop sign and coasted through it. Uh, and, and I'm driving and as I go through the stop sign, it, I, my car starts to seize up. I hear the engine seizing up. I'm like, oh no. And I made it maybe, I coasted about a hundred yards and I stopped. And the car was, it was done. And I was like, oh no. And there was, and there had just happened to be a house right there about 50 yards from there. And I remember walking up to the guy and, and I said, oh, you know what? I ran out of oil. I, my car light went on and I didn't say how far I went with it. He goes, oh, gee, okay. Well, I have some oil. Let's give it a shot. He goes, I'll, let's put some oil. I go, what do you think? He goes, well, I'll put the oil in. Start the car. If it starts, you're good. If it doesn't, you're going to have to get towed home. <laughs> and so, a uh, real nice guy. And uh, and uh, he he poured the oil in, and I started the car. It started! It started up. I mean, yay! I thank you, thank you. You know, and, and I drove off. And that's what people do back there, back at on the farm area. They all help each other out. And uh, I remember driving home, and I got home, and I was like, I got, oh, phew, I got away with that one. You know, I uh, drove through the oil light, got away with it. You know, and, uh, and I'll never forget the next day I was driving down the road about a quarter mile from the house and I was driving and all of a sudden I hear this bad noise and, and cars stopped again and I got out and looked at, and, and so, I don't know what happened, but the oil was a long line of oil on the road. It, whatever I did the day before had created a problem and, and it, it, the, the oil, you know, it blew out. It just gushed out. The oil gushed out. It left this trail on the road. So now I'm going to have to get it towed home. So, uh, my, uh, I went home and, uh, walked home. I was right by the house. I called my buddies, called, uh, Eric and Lenny, my two 
two good friends from uh, high school. And I said, hey, could you guys come here and help me? So Len, Eric had a car. He came and picked us up. The three of us went, and I had a chain. I got a chain out of the barn. And, and we got there, and we hooked the chain to... Uh, Eric's back bumper and hooked it to my front bumper. He had a little dots and little blue dots and, and, and he, and he, and I had Leonard drive my car, you know, just put it in neutral and just, you know, sit there and, and Eric towed. I said, now go, I said, now guys, when we get near, before we got there, I said, when we get close, once we pull in the driveway, uh, I'll jump out of the car because I let Lenny drive and I, and I said, I'll jump out and I'll say, okay, one, two, three, stop. And when that happens, ease on the brakes, ease on the brakes. If you both ease on the brakes, we'll come to a nice slow stop. Everything will be fine. Okay, we got it, we got it. So, uh, uh, I don't know why I was letting Lenny drive my car with his history. But anyway, we get, we get there and, and Eric, we get out and I, and we get to the, into the driveway and I jumped out. I said, okay, one, two, three, stop. And Eric eased on his brake and Leonard jammed on my brakes. And what he did, he, uh, <coughs> And and I'll never forget the chain pulled my bumper out into an arrow arrowhead. You know, it was like a V straight ahead. I'm like ah my bumper. You know, and ripped it open. And oh my goodness. So the, that week I towed the towed the car to the guy who worked on my car. He worked on it all the time. Bud was his name, and he worked on the car and he got the engine fixed. And he said, "No, keep checking the oil." <laughs> so and. Then he said, I go, what about the bumper? He goes, I, I, there's not much you can do. You have to take it to a body shop. It'll cost you a good bit of money. He said, well, you can fix it yourself. Uh, with an old car like this all banged up. It was all banged up. I had been in accidents and craziness. And it was a mess. Uh, and he goes, you could just drive it into a tree. I go, what? He goes, yeah, there's no airbag back then, right? So he goes, just find a nice big round tree and drive it in. And you'll keep bumping it, bumping it until you get it relatively flat that'll save you a lot of money and you know should be fine so i went home and there was a big old box alder tree <laughs> and, uh, and i remember driving up boom nothing happened no nothing boom i kept going faster faster by bam bam <laughs> it was like you know uh like the crash them up derby you know i finally hit it hard enough that i kind of but it was like this it went out it went in it was it was a mess it was a mess an accordion bumper and that's how i fixed my bumper that car was a mess uh it was it was it was crazy all because i had driven through a red light and ignored that warning light and the same thing happens with us. We ignore God's word. We ignore his warning light. We drive through the warnings and we end up with a mess. We end up in a, our life crashing. We end up in a mess. Maybe you are in that place right now. Maybe you have been, God is warning. Maybe God is warning you right now. Maybe he's warning you right now. Will you listen? Maybe you've already ignored that warning and, and, and dr- ignored his warning light. You've ignored his word. Maybe you're experiencing God's discipline right now you're out of fellowship you grieve the holy spirit you're miserable your life is a mess listen i have good news for you as a christian you have not been judged you have been disciplined which means you can respond to that discipline god is waiting for you hebrews 4 16 says let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need no matter what you have done you can still go to god and find mercy and grace.
mercy and grace, forgiveness and the help to start moving forward. Doesn't mean he's going to remove all your problems, no, the discipline process, but, but it, you, you can be restored right immediately into fellowship and in time, the rest of your life can be restored by God's grace if you'll persevere under his discipline. We know that. Uh, as a Christian, you, I want to give you that encouragement to take those steps, no matter how long it takes to go through his discipline process, go through it, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The most important thing is you can be restored to fellowship immediately. You don't have to re- earn God's God's favor. You don't have to earn f- fellowship. You don't have to become his child again. Pray the prayer of salvation. You're already saved. You, just, you are immediately in fellowship. That's the most important thing. The most important thing. Now, maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you're listening to this and maybe you've never acted on God's word, his mercy, his grace. You've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, his death on the cross. When he died on the cross in our place to take our sin, to take our punishment, to pay our ransom, to, to accomplish our atonement, our atonement with God to reconcile us with God. You've never acted on that death, and not only his death, but his resurrection that proved he was the Son of God and proved that he could give us a brand new life in Jesus Christ. You've never taken that step. You have ignored God's salvation, but today you realize that you're facing judgment. You are facing an eternity in hell. You understand that. Listen, you don't have to stay there. You don't, you can, you don't, we're a prayer away. You are a prayer away from life, from, uh, from that. Listen, ever since the COVID has hit, the coronavirus has hit, so many are fearful. So many are fearful. And Christians too, and I'll say to Christians, I'll say, what, what's, why are you so afraid? What's the worst that can happen? And then inevitably they say, I could die. I could die. I go, no, that's not the worst. That's the best that can happen to you. If you're a Christian and you die, where do you go? Heaven! And heaven is not the worst that can happen. It's the best. If you could go to heaven for one second, you would never think about coming back for anything or anyone for even for another second. You would never come back. There's nothing like being in heaven. I can only imagine. Uh, you were with Jesus for eternity. That's not the worst. That's the best. So we don't have to be afraid. If God decides it's time to bring us home, He's going to bring us home. And it's the best that could happen to us. So we shouldn't live in fear. We should be careful. We should, you know, be, be careful and, and not, you know, be careless or reckless mm-hmm. with, with COVID and all that's going on. But, but we shouldn't be afraid. We should not be afraid. We shouldn't live in this paralyzing fear that the world lives in. No, no. It's, it's, it's not the, dying is not the worst. It's the best as a Christian. I, I was talking, I'll use their names. I was talking, I met, uh, I, Visited Elizabeth, Elizabeth, uh, a few, like a month ago, and she is on hospice now, and she's like, I just can't wait to go to be with Jesus. I just can't wait. Chuck, please pray that God will bring me home. I just want to be with Him. I just want to go to heaven. I've, I've had enough here. You know what she's been through? She had, she had coronavirus. She's 96 years old. Coronavirus, and it, no symptoms. And she goes, I can't believe I, everybody else, I have coronavirus and God doesn't bring me home. What is going on? I just want to go home. And then I was talking to Linnell last week and Linnell was like, I just want to, I just want to go home. I just want to go home. And I said, Linnell, I don't, I can't get rid of you guys. I can't get rid of you and Elizabeth. Elizabeth gets coronavirus and has no symptoms. I can't get rid of you. You have, you want to go home. You have so many things, you know, that you battle 
battled and over the years. It's, it's a miracle you've been alive the last 20 years, for that matter. I go, but you, you can't even get coronavirus. All the places you've had to go medically, you can't even get it. I can't get rid of you two. <laughs> and we were laughing about that because it, he's looking forward to it. She's looking forward to it. As Christians, it's the best that can happen to us. But listen, they are Christians. They have put their faith in Jesus Christ. Both are serious about their faith. Real faith with real fruit. But if you have never put your faith in Jesus Christ, death is the worst that can happen to you. That is the worst that can happen. If you're not a Christian, death, if you, the worst that can happen to you is to die without faith in Jesus Christ. To die without a relationship with Jesus Christ. There's nothing worse that can possibly happen to you, but you don't have to. Because Jesus, well, I'll, I'll give you a verse saying how bad it is. John 3, John three thirty six says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. And we know from the rest of the word what God's wrath means. It means hell. Hell. Jesus talked about hell more than he talked about heaven. He preached on it 27 times. 27 times. Why? Because he created it for Satan and his demons, the fallen angels, and he knows how horrible it is. He doesn't want any of us to go there. He, so much so that he came and died on a cross in our place. That's how much he doesn't want us to go there. He's made a way out for us. We don't have to face judgment. We don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live an empty, purpose, dreadful life. We don't have to, full of dread. We don't have to live this empty life because Jesus has made a way for us to have life here, now on earth, an awesome life that goes on through all of eternity <coughs> with Him someday. I can only imagine. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You can have that life now. Let's pray. How is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? How has God's Word convicted you? Maybe you realize that you are not a real Christian. Maybe you've said some kind of prayer or gone to church or even been baptized, something, but you, but you know it's not real. You're one of the 50 percenters, not one of the six percenters. You, maybe you've always rejected it. You've never accepted it. You've never put your real faith in Jesus. But today, the Holy Spirit is convicting you to take that step of faith. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. You can believe in Jesus right now. The simple prayer of faith. The life-changing prayer of faith. The prayer is simple, but the life change is not. It's an earth-shattering life change that God will bring about the moment you put your faith in Jesus. God, please forgive me. I repent of my sin. I turn away from my old life. Anything in my life that goes against your word, against your warning, I repent. Please forgive me. Because I'm putting my faith in Jesus. My total trust, my total hope in Jesus 
what he did on that cross for me, how he came back to the, from the dead, resurrected for me. I put my faith in Jesus. I give my life to you, God. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, the Holy Spirit now lives inside of you. You are now a child of God. You can call Him your Father. You can come to Him anytime through His Son, Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name for anything at any time. And your life will never be the same. Now and for all of eternity, you will have a brand new life in Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you, if you have put your faith in Jesus, that you let somebody know. Maybe you have a family member or a friend or a co-worker or somebody or email me. Tell me. Let somebody know. NHCC at Comcast.net. Let somebody know so that we can encourage you in your new life in Christ. Be excited for you and encourage you. Your life will never be the same. For those of us who already are Christians, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? What do we need to pray about right now? Maybe God is warning us about something that we need to respond to. Maybe we've driven through (coughs) that warning light and we're experiencing God's discipline and we're experiencing the pain and maybe our life is a mess. We've made such a mess of it. But, but our prayer today is he, Hebrews 4.16. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You can have fellowship once again with God immediately. And then as you go through the discipline process, He can begin to put our lives back together again, step by step, step of faith by step of faith. Father, I pray that each person here, every one of us who's listening, every one of us, including especially me, that we would listen to Your Word and listen to Your warnings, that we would would know Your purpose and power and peace. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.